Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I believe it's going to touch you. It's going to be called On Hold. I want to talk about a particular season in life that we've all been in. And you're going to be there again one day, and if you haven't been through this season, you are going to be through this season one day in the future. And to illustrate what I mean, I'm going to show you guys real quick. So y'all ever seen one of these in a long time? I know we're all used to iPhones and Androids. You're like, what is this? Some of the kids. But this is what I like to call a telephone. All right. Can you pick that up, Ryan? Quick. Thank you. Yeah, the AC's not liking those too much. So... I don't know if you've ever called a business organization. I hope everybody can see this. If you've ever called a business or organization or whatever it is, you pick up the phone, you dial the number. Maybe it's FEMA right now. <laughs> it's the insurance company. And you put it up to your ear. Okay? And you wait a little bit. And you wait a little bit longer. One more time. Oh, somebody's here. We know your time is valuable. Thank you for holding. Someone will be with you as soon as possible. Are you kidding me? Was that a real person? No, that was a a computer. Okay, let me wait a little longer. And you sit here, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, my. You ever called the IRS before? You've just been sitting there for hours and hours and hours. Like, sorry, we're on hold. The wait is 24 hours. Please hold. How do you expect me to wait 24 hours? You want me to set the phone with me and stay awake during those whole 24 hours? I cannot do it. And you ever hear that sound? It's kind of like an elevator music noise. It's just like, dun, 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 you know, after a while. You know what that's called? That's called Muzak. Muzak. I'm not just saying music weird. It's called Muzak. And the reason that they created that soundtrack that you hear whenever you're on the phone is because they know how long you're going to be on hold, and they want to make the experience more enjoyable. They failed miserably because you cannot make me sitting on the phone for an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. I don't have that much time to do all that enjoyable. So they failed. And here's a fact. That was patented in 1951. And then it was sold for $345 million in 2000. That sound, it was patented. You can patent everything nowadays. You ever watch Shark Tank? Have you patented? They patented a sound. And once they patented patented that sound, they sold it for $345 million. God, give me an idea that I can make a sound, whatever it is. Help me. I promise I'm going to pay my tithes on that for $345 million. But let's just be honest tonight. Being on hold is not a fun experience. You, you can't really enjoy being on hold, but it is also a part of life. Being on hold is a part of life. It's something that's going to happen to you. It's inevitable. And one thing that I've learned when it comes to following after God is that we love the call. You know, because whenever you make a call, whenever you feel the call of God or somebody, you know, spoke something into your life, you feel that excitement and you feel energized, and you feel like things are happening, that you're making progress. But then all of a sudden you find out it's not all about just the call, but there's also got to be a hold involved. 
Am I speaking to anybody tonight? Anybody that's ever been on hold tonight? And holding can become really weary because you can be really excited and you can fall after God, especially once you first get saved. You're like, God, I give my life to you, and you're so excited, and you step out of church, and you go into the real world, and all of a sudden you're hit with life, you're hit with problems, and you're hit with other people that are giving you problems. You're like, oh, my gosh, and you feel like it's just a rat race, and you're not going anywhere. Let me tell somebody tonight, God has a plan, and he wants to take you places. Say it tonight, God has a plan. And we can go around the room right now, and each one of us could have a different story when it comes to being on hold, whatever part of life that may be for you. And we could talk about it. We can hear stories after story after story. And I want us to understand what it means to be on hold. So I want to give you guys a couple examples. So a hold, on hold, could mean a number of things. It could mean a bump in your career, whether the company was downsized and they decided to let you go or something just hit you with a left hook. Or it could be financial difficulty. And the future seems so uncertain. You had your money saved. You had everything together for your retirement. And then, boom, something hits you. And you're all of a sudden, it's gone. Maybe it's something happening in your family. It's happening in your marriage. And things seem hopeless. And you feel like you made so much progress. And all of a sudden, boom, feel like you got to start over. And you feel like you're on hold. Maybe you thought a relationship was heading toward marriage. And it ended. And you're back in the season of waiting. Maybe you want to get into a particular school and you, you look at that school and you go ahead and you apply to that school and then you get a letter back saying that, sorry, we, we can't accept you. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe there's something going on with your health and you go to the doctors and they can't figure it out. They can't figure it out and, they're, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're put in a frustrating situation where your life is put on hold. Does anybody know what it's like? to be put on hold. I know I'm only 19 years old, but man, I, I promise you, I know what it's like to be put on hold. What about this? Have you ever been on a hold situation and you go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, and you see all your friends post and somebody got a new car, somebody got that promotion, somebody just got engaged. Maybe you saw a friend in high school from, from high school that's having their fourth baby, and you're like, God, just give me my first baby. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, God, you, you ask yourself this question. Is God paying more attention to other people than he is me? Have you ever been on hold? I'm not asking you to raise your hands during that question. But have you ever been on hold and called on God? And you feel like God puts you on hold? <laughs> I know I can't be the only one tonight. we got to be honest with each other. And I felt like God, you feel like God puts you on hold. And, and maybe, maybe this is your story. And if it is, I, I completely understand. You tried your best to come to church. You, you prayed. You read the Bible. You did everything they told you to do. You lifted your hands during worship. And you did all of these things. And still, it felt like God wasn't coming through and you become so frustrated and so tired of being on hold and you eventually put down the phone and you walk away and maybe you're here tonight and it's been a while since you've come to church and you know we're happy to have you here but you really had to force yourself to come to church tonight 
because you were on a on-hold situation, and you felt like God disappointed you, and he didn't come through, and you kind of just straight away. Because if, if there's a God, apparently, if there is a God, and he didn't come through, he must care for other people more than he does me? That's a lie. I'm just going to tell you that right now. The reality is, is when we are in a season of being on hold, whether it be financially, relationally, career-wise, or whatever it may be, not only does life seem to put you on hold, but God seems to be really, really distant. Maybe, maybe you just feel alone. Maybe you feel isolated. I'm going to tell you right now, isolation is God's call for intimacy, where he wants to get to know you, where God wants to spend time with you. I'm just going to tell you that tonight. It's a quick tidbit. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not going to be complaining about all of life's difficulties. I'm just trying to tell you guys that I completely understand. And it's hard to understand why God wants to take his own sweet time while we are on hold. Today, we're going to talk about what God is doing when we have been put on hold. I'm going to talk about that tonight, guys. What, what, what God is doing when we are put on hold. And I want to introduce you guys to a couple. A couple in the Bible. Bible? <laughs> Bible. Bible. I slur my words all the time, man. What's up with me? And the names are Abram and Sarai, who eventually changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. They, see, they were an older couple, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a background over who they were and what God called them to do and who, the, who, who he called them to be. And this is what we like to call the call of Abraham. And this is early on in the Bible in the book of Genesis. I'm going to read now the chapter 15, verse 1 through 6, ESV. What had happened was humanity had fallen short of the glory of God. You know, Adam got kicked out of the garden with Eve, and, you know, humanity became corrupt, and there became a lot of issues, and God looked down, and he, he got angry, and he got sad, and he, he ended up starting over. He's like, restart button. And then it happened again and again. And eventually, the Tower of Babel happened, and, you know, humanity got dispersed all over the earth. And then you have Abraham and his family who had found favor in God, and God had seen them. And he had said, you know what, we're going to restart again, but this time I'm not going to erase everybody off the planet of the earth but I'm going to start with this couple right here. And he had spoken to Abraham. He said, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham, I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to do all these things. And Abraham went through troubles, and time had passed, and it had gone on for a long time where he didn't see the promises fulfilled that God had told him. And this is after he rescued his nephew Lot. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer or Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look, look toward the heaven and the number of stars. If you're able to number them, then he said, 
so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So he had said, God, you know, I understand that, you know, you want to do all these things, but what, nothing's happened yet. You know, all, all my possessions and everything that I have and I've worked, my livelihood is going to be handed over to somebody that's not even blood, somebody that's not even family. I'm going to hand it over to them. And God said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. He reminded him. Somebody needs to be reminded tonight that God has a plan for your life, that he's not done with you, that he loves you, that you have a great future. The best is yet to come. Turn to somebody and say, the best is yet to come. And you think after this that God would, you know, give him a child, you know, and nine months later they'd be sitting there happy with the baby boy and like, okay, thank you, God, you're so great. You know, like a Disney movie or something, right? No, wrong, that's not what happened. Nine months went by, no baby. Two years went by, still no baby. Three years, four years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, baby? No. Uh, 20 years, baby? Nope. 25 years, still no baby. They were put on hold. They had received a promise from God, but the promise didn't manifest itself. It didn't come to pass yet. And many of us were on hold, but that holding process may be a couple of months, a couple of weeks, a couple of years. But can you imagine 25 years? You know, for most of us, that's like one-third of our lifetime. You know what I'm talking about? God, please let me live past 75. That, you know, that's like a large portion of our life. And they still didn't see it. Can you imagine over 25 years of music, just hearing that again and again, on hold. You're on hold. Um, anybody in here leave Victoria during the hurricane? Anybody leave the, okay? Anybody stay here in Victoria during the hurricane? Okay. Y'all are the troopers, man. Y'all, I'm afraid of you guys. So me and my family had said to ourselves, we're going to stay during this hurricane. We were content on just staying and just sticking it out. You know, me and my dad wanted to stay. And then the mandatory evacuation came out, okay? So you know how Victoria, I guess not too much happens here too much, but whenever something like this happens, everybody freaks out. They're going on Facebook. They're, oh, my gosh, guys, it's like, it's like the end of the world. People are leaving. Things are happening. And me and, my, me and my dad were like, let's stay. Let's stick it out. My sisters, they're one of those people that freak out. You know what I'm saying? So they, they were like, okay, we got to get out of here now, Dad. We got to leave. You know, we got to go right now. Like, the hurricane was, like, 20 minutes away. And I'm not exaggerating. Me and my dad are like, no, we're going to stay here. We got some water. We got some ramen noodles. That's all we need, a little fire in the corner to keep us, you know, we boarded up the windows, halfway on some windows, but we're good. But for the sake of my sisters and their comfort, we decided to leave and go to a safe place. We thought it was a safe place. We thought we were going to go somewhere for safety, but it ended up being our stronghold, Houston. We went to Houston, and we stayed at my Aunt Carmen's house. And don't feel too bad for me because they can cook so good, and we were stocked up on food. I think I gained a couple pounds. And I'm not trying to make light of the situation. We pray for those people that are affected in Houston and Rockport and all these different places. We're going to continue to pray for them and stand behind them and help out any way that we can. But we, were, we ended up going there, and we watched the news, and... Harvey, the worst part of Harvey ended up coming, as far as the rain goes, right on top of Houston, and it stayed there. And I remember staying in the house, and 
us getting a call from the people across the street saying, y'all need to move y'all's cars now, which was our cars. The, 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 the road is becoming a river. And I looked outside, and the water was high, and it was going up quick. I, I had to go out there real quick, and I had to go and pull the car into the driveway and ended up going a little bit into the vehicle. It's, it's crazy. We thought we were going to the safe place, but it ended up being the strong. We got stuck there for about a week. And you can't, I can't tell you how much me and my family just wanted to be here with our church family, helping you guys in any way that we can, but we just weren't able to, to come back. And we had to cancel that service, and we were stuck there. And we didn't, we didn't think about it, but we, we were stuck there. And, we, and whenever we tried to come back to Victoria, we, we attempted to come back to Victoria many times, right? And whenever we tried to come back to Victoria, every time that we tried to find a route, the roads were, like, completely flooded. We couldn't even get to my Mimi, who was in the hospital, um, because the road was too flooded. And she was with my mom. So we were separated for a couple days, too. And we tried, and we tried, but we, we just couldn't get out. But we saw people who were in the same situation, who were on hold, who got impatient, that tried to leave the city. And they didn't have big lifted trucks or jeeps or anything like that. They just had regular cars, but they were brave. You know, we're preaching a brave series. These people were brave. And they went, and they ended up getting stuck. And we saw those people go before. It's like, okay, we're not, we're not going to go and try to do that because it's not our time, you know. Whenever God makes a way, we're going to go. And we ended up having to drive about four or five hours just to get back to Victoria. I want to say four hours rather than the two-hour route. It, it was crazy. And I want to encourage you guys tonight Whenever you're on hold, don't become so impatient that you feel like you have to take things into your own hands. How many times have we done that with God? Because God's timing is perfect. He knows the time. He knows the season. But many times I find myself getting impatient and trying to make things happen before God wanted them to happen. And what happens a lot of times is whenever we try to take things into our own hands, and we try to go and do that thing, we ended up causing a bigger mess than when it, whenever, you know, it, whenever it first started. It became a bigger mess. And whenever we take things into our own hands, that's where the deepest scars occur. And this is what Abram and Sarai said, too. They, they had said, okay, it's, it's been so long. It's been 25 years we got to make some, something happen because God's forgotten about us. That's what they said. I want you to listen to the tone of this passage and just imagine Sarai speaking this. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 5. So it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So 25 years later, no children. They were on hold. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai and said, So after, so he listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived him. And when she had saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt at her mistress. So Hagar's looking at Sarai with contempt, looking down at them, looking down at her. And, and Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong 
done to me be on you. I give my servant to your embrace. And when, you, she, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord God judge between you and me. So to summarize that real quick, they, became, they had become impatient in their holding process where they weren't able to bear any children. And she ended up blaming God, said, God hasn't allowed me to have any kids yet. And they decided to take things into their own hands. And if you know the story, Abram and Hagar, you know what? And they ended up having a kid named Ishmael. It sounds, oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? Only 16 chapters in the Bible. I can't even imagine uh, Abram's response. Hey, Abram, you need to have a baby with my maidservant. I mean, what do you say? Okay, I guess so. Okay, great. You know, I mean, six, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like I'm listening or watching The Bachelor or something on here. So they had conceived it, and if you look into Scripture, Ishmael ended up having a family lineage that was very destructive and that caused a lot of issues that we still on this planet face today, which is crazy. And it had gotten so bad, and, you know, Hagar ended up looking down on Sarai, and Sarai became mad, and they sent her away, who eventually came back. My first point tonight, God hasn't forgotten you. See, because Sarai and Abram made, made this decision because they felt forgotten. Have you ever been forgotten by your parents anywhere, you know, whenever you were little? I mean, probably not. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's happened, it's happened in my family a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, we're your pastors. Okay. So whenever we were at the store, I remember me going off and doing my own thing, you know, and I know that we were in a rush they ended up forgetting about me and having to come back and go on the intercom because I was scared and say, Caleb Rivera, come to the front. And I'd be lying too, let's just be honest, if we've forgotten our brother a couple times here because it, miscommunication between me and my parents whenever it's like, okay, you're getting Josh. No, you're getting Josh. Okay, great. And then we just leave. And it's, but we come back and get him. Don't, okay, we're not perfect. Okay, we understand. But we have forgotten him sometimes and it's happened to me a couple times, like I said. And I want to remind you guys tonight that God doesn't have short-term memory. God doesn't forget his promises, and he especially does not forget his children. Here at CLC, we believe that each of us are a son or daughter of a perfectly heavenly father. And a perfectly heavenly father has never and will never forget his kids. He's not going to start with you. He's not irresponsible. He's not going to misplace you. He's not going to abandon you. How, what, what kind of heavenly father would we have if he forgotten us? So when we believe that we're forgotten, because you can feel forgotten. I understand. Some of you guys may feel forgotten. You may be in a season where you're on hold and you feel forgotten, and I understand that completely. And you're going to feel that way sometimes. But don't believe that you're forgotten. There's a difference between feeling and believing. So don't believe that you were forgotten and take things in your own hands because whenever you do that, it can cause a mess. And the Bible says he is the author and the finisher. Once God starts something, he will finish it. You may feel forgotten, but don't believe you're forgotten. God did not forget Sarai and Abram. He was preparing them the whole time. He didn't forget them. He was preparing them. Let me tell somebody tonight, God does not do things halfway. 
Your husband may have a couple unfinished projects at the house, but God is not like your husband. God will finish things like he said he would, okay? Which brings me to my next point. Number two, so we understand that God is not, he's not forgotten us. When we're in a season of, whenever we're on an on-hold season, we understand that God has not forgotten us. Number two, I want you to know this. God is preparing you. So he's not forgotten us, but he's also preparing us. So if God is preparing us like he prepared Abram and Sarai, what is he preparing me for? And here's a Bible verse for that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He set it up beforehand. He has a plan before you even knew he had a plan. That we should walk in them. God wants to use you. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past or whatever. Don't don't criticize yourself because you don't look like that person or you don't have what that person has. Because whenever you criticize yourself, you're also criticizing your creator, and he loves you so much. So what this passage of scripture means is that you are God's idea, and you are not only God's idea, you are a great idea, and he loves you. And you've been created in Christ to do great things for God. So what that passage says, we are created to do great things. What is God preparing you for tonight? What is he preparing me for tonight? What is he preparing us as a church for tonight? He's preparing us for great things. How many of you guys are thankful that we have a God that is not preparing us for little insignificant things, but he's preparing us, come on guys, for great things. He's already planned it all in advance, and he doesn't do half things. He doesn't do things halfway. And in a season of waiting, in a season of waiting, God is seasoning us, and he's preparing us for that moment. God is preparing you for greatness. He was preparing Abram and Sarai for greatness. God does this throughout the Bible a whole lot. If you look at the life of Jesus, okay, and some of you guys may not know this, but Jesus' ministry was only three years, and that three years led to three days on the cross, And before the three years of ministry, God was preparing him for 30 years. He was a carpenter. I mean, 30 years. This was the son of God. He was perfect. He was without blemish. He he was God. I mean, he, he he was perfect. He was God. And he had been prepared for 30 years to go into ministry. And it happens many times throughout the Bible from David to Joseph to so many different people in the Bible, they, 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 they get called and then they have to go back into the holding process because there's a difference between the anointing and the appointing. There's a time for that. And I'm thankful for a God that doesn't just give me things whenever I'm not ready for it. Because let's be honest, some of the things that you're praying for, you may not be ready for those things. I mean, if we had received everything that we pray for, I don't know if our life would be in alignment with the will of God, I know it wouldn't. We need the will of God. We need God's favor. We need God to direct our steps because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So there's a season of preparation where God's preparing you in the holding process. And it's interesting because 
God changed Abram's and Sarai's, Sarai's name. I want you guys to get this. He changed their names before they had their firstborn because they did have a baby. Eventually they had a baby, and his name was Isaac, and God used Isaac, and it's awesome. But before he could use them to have a baby, he had to change their names. And he changed Abram's name to Abraham, which means, let me pull it up right here, father of a multitude. Thank you. And, and then Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, which means mother of nations. Because God, and here's something interesting, God did not do this unless he wanted to establish a new identity in somebody. Only after God did this, he gave Sarah and Abraham a baby boy named Isaac which led to the whole nation of Israel and eventually Jesus Christ. Before you get out of the holding process, know this. God wants to change you. He wants to do something inside of you so that you can take the next step. So that way you can go the distance and do what he's called you to do. So when you're in a season of on hold and you feel like you're forgotten, know that you're not forgotten. forgotten. And whenever you feel like you're not getting prepared. Know that God's doing something. Because whenever we see nothing, God is still doing something. In a season of waiting, a waiting season is not a wasted season. Like I said, if you feel isolated, now's the time to seek the face of God. If you're in the holding process, this is the time to seek the face of God and read the word of God. Get it inside of you. You get the word of God in you when you don't need it. You'll have it whenever you do need it, whenever you face those difficulties and you face those struggles. See, we need God. We need his direction. And the holding process isn't forever. God has a plan. Like I said, he has a plan for greatness. And God has promises that he's spoken in some of y'all's lives. And some of you guys have forgotten the promises. You've forgotten the word. You've forgotten the excitement and the passion, and you feel like your life is just boring and mundane and just in a stagnant place. But I'm going to tell you tonight, God has plans for you, and he wants you to remember those promises. And here's something interesting. Abraham and Sarah did not see the full manifestation of God's promises while they were on this earth. They did not see it all. Because remember, God said, count the, count the stars. I'm going to give you Children, as many as, many as the stars, I'm going to give you this, and your descendants are going to cover the earth. They didn't see it all. Did you know that Abraham and Sarah only had one child together, and his name was Isaac? His name was Isaac. And eventually God did do all those things. And maybe God's spoken something over your life, and I want this to encourage you at the same time, but you may not see all of God's promises come to pass. Sometimes the only time you will see some of God's promises fulfilled will be from the eyes of eternity. I believe you're going to see God's faithfulness in this lifetime, but from heaven, you're going to see God's goodness from a much greater scale. So what do you do in a holding season? If you're facing difficulty, you're trying to have that child, you're, you're praying for that relative to come back to Christ, you're facing difficulty at the workplace. You're having some family issues, and you feel like you're just on hold. Know that God's not forgotten you, but he's preparing you. He has a reason for everything that you face. 
when you're on hold, keep praying, keep believing, and keep receiving. I want to encourage somebody tonight that feels forgotten. You're not forgotten. God is preparing you. Say, I'm getting prepared. Here's my conclusion. We're closing right now. A waiting season is not a wasted season. When you're on hold, hold on to Jesus. When you are on hold, what do you do? You hold on to Jesus. And God's real. His spirit's in this place. And God wants to use you. He's not looking for perfect people. So don't say to yourself, before I follow after God and I start coming to church, I gotta clean myself up first. Because if you say that, you're, you're never gonna be ready. He's looking for people that are broken. He's looking for people that have problems, that face trials, that face difficulties, and they feel like nobody wants them. He loves them. He, he loved the outcast. Look at Jesus' life, and I'm just speaking from my heart right now. The people that were the outcast and the people that were forgotten, the people that were abandoned was the same people that God came and he opened up his arms and he gave them, Jesus gave them a hug and he loved on them. And that's the church we have to be. We have to be a church that is open, that is accepting, that believes that the person that seems like they're going nowhere, that God's going to take, take them and take them somewhere greater than they can ever imagine. Come on, I feel God's presence. That's the church we gotta be. And that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Hold on to Jesus. And sometimes holding on means letting go of some things. When it comes to holding, after, holding on after Jesus, you gotta let go of some things. You gotta make yourself available. You gotta set some time aside. And you gotta know that there's a God. There's a God that loves you and he's for you. He's not against you. Bible says he has plans to prosper you, plans for a hope and a future. Say, I have a future, the future. So why don't we pray and close tonight. God, we love you. We honor you. We worship you, Jesus. We believe, God, that you have a plan for our lives, God, that you are not only with us, God, but you're preparing us, Jesus, for something that we could something greater than we could ever imagine, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your preparation, God, no matter the pain that we go through in the preparation, Jesus, that it's the pain has a purpose, God. I pray for every person in this place tonight, God, I feel your presence, that you would begin, begin to give them strength, that you would begin to give them peace, Lord, God, that you would show them, God, how much you love them, God. God, we worship you and we honor you. Can we have our prayer partners come up to the front? For people that need prayer, we're just going to Go ahead and open up the front for anybody that just needs prayer. Maybe there's somebody in here that hasn't committed their life to Jesus. Tonight is the night you can do that. We're gonna, we're gonna make as many available times as we can for people to come up if they have any needs. But if you need prayer tonight, whatever it may be, we're gonna open up the front. Can we worship a little bit together? If we can all just stand up to our feet, lift our hands. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.